because I want you to realize that you are in a you live in a cursed world. You live in a fallen world, but you have the DNA of Christ in you. You have been created in His image. You've been created in His likeness. Actually, Galatians tells us that that He is the seed, right? The seed, and out of that seed shoots forth life. And we have been crowned in that life, in the image and likeness of Christ. When you were born again, you took on a new nature. Old things pass away, all things become new. So we have the authority to walk in the nature and the DNA of our big brother, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have that authority. So we have a right to speak over our heart, over our mind, over our body, over our soul, and command it to line up with the DNA of the kingdom of God. Because he says in 1 Peter, uh, says in 1 Peter, what, 2.16 or something, not 2.24, but... Second Peter something where it says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, huh? One night. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, peculiar people to what? Show forth the praises of the Lamb of God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. Now, just like what we saw, this tragedy in Florida, just like you've seen some things I've had to face and my family's had to face this week. I know you've been through things this week and this year and the past 10 years and so on. But what I want to get to you is this, is that it's important for you and I to keep our heart, our mind, our will, and our emotions, our spirit man, our soul command, to keep that in a healed state, to keep that in a refreshing state. And any disappointment that you're facing, if it is, isn't redemptive, redemptively touched, what's going to happen, it will begin to fester in you whether it's unforgiveness, offense, uh, worry and fear over money, worry and fear over pain, whatever it is, when you allow things in your decision-making resources, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and then what happens is it begins to fester in your soul and it begins to, to infect. And then once your, your thinking process in your heart is infected, then it starts attack, gives a right to the enemy to attack your body. Then it gives the enemy to, a right to begin to attack your spirit, man. And really, he, he's not greater than your spirit, but you and I have authority over our spirit. So, what happens when we allow things in our heart to fester, when we allow them to be infected, what happens? It slowly robs us of our emotional and our intellectual strength. And once you lose your energy, once you lose your emotional energy and your intellectual strength, then it begins to violate your very spirit man himself. Even though your spirit person is perfect and strong, but it begins to affect the influence of your spirit. Because listen, whenever before the fall of Adam and Eve, spirit, they were created in God's image and likeness. He hewed man in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 8. He hewed man out of the dust of the earth. He breathed life in him, God-like life, and he became a living what? Soul. Uh, the, the Jewish Bible says he became a walking, talking, breathing soul. So it's a God-like nature that we, our identity is in him. We were created in his image, spirit, and likeness. Your spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, Paul said, I pray for your W-H-O-L-E, whole spirit, soul, and body, that it what, be found blameless in that day. So we realize that I am a spirit, I have a soul, which is my mind, will, and emotions, and it lives in a body, my flesh, blood, and bones. 
Before the fall of man, before the fall of Adam and Eve, Adam's spirit was king. He and Eve, their spirit, who they really are, was king. Their soul was the servant and the, and the body was the slave, the one that had to obey. But what happened after the fall of Adam and Eve, the soul set itself. Your intellectual thinking put itself on the throne. And then the body became its slave. And spirit is abiding in a state of death. That's why John 3 says, when you are what? Born again, Jesus said. When you're born again, you can enter the kingdom of God. When you're born again, you can see the kingdom of God. So we understand that, that whenever we... Before we give our life to Christ, our spirit is abiding in a state of death because what got born again when you were saved? Your spirit, who you really are. So what happens is now we're doing what? Romans 12, 2, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? Renewing of your mind. In other words, put that mind under, right? Put it under your spirit, put it under the word, under the Holy Spirit too, but we are uh, renewed our, uh, trans- our minds transformed by the renewing of our mind to prove what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. He has one will for you, one destiny for you, one thing. And that's to walk and release the nature and the power of Jesus in this earth. That's his plan for you. So I want to give you really six things, and I, I, I might get one to you today, <laughs> the way it looks. But I want to talk to you for now and give you some tools that will enable you to heal your heart. Because I have to do that. I, I had to pull myself off this week and just kind of let some, receive some healing. Sometimes I'll just get in a chair and meditate and worship. Sometimes I'll read the word. I mean, I'll do different things. I'll walk and confess. I, I got to get myself in a place to where my, my solical man, my heart begins to be healed up. Because what happens, guys, is this. What happens is... Whenever you allow things to fester, what does it do? What does it do? It begins to bring on, it begins to bring on disappointment. And when you start to walk in disappointment, man, you open yourselves up. Because whenever we get to a place in our life that we don't believe God is good and has good intentions, that's a dangerous place to be. Right? So here's the first tool that I want to give you to bring healing to your heart to bring healing to your emotions, your mind, your will. And it's this. Number one, always be honest with God. I mean, your religious prowls, thou, 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 thee, and all that stuff is just whatever. But always be honest with God. So there's times like I have to just come before God and weep. And just cry like a baby. I just have to come before God and weep and just honestly bear my soul. And whenever we open ourselves up, we find out that he is a God that not only suffered for you, sent his only begotten son to die for you and pay for our sins and suffered and took our sin, sickness, and all those things on the cross for us. He took on our pain. He took on our rejection. He took on our sin And it's important for you and I to allow the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to minister to our soul, to minister to our mind. And what happens is, you know, you and I have to set time aside. we got to block out time. That's why it's important to start your day, if it's for 10, 15 minutes, with the Lord. Start your day worshiping Him. Start your day with a heart of gratitude, of giving thanks to Him. So healing the heart 
in these sessions that you set aside, they don't just take place in some little five-minute devotional. Why? Because you're dealing with life and death issues. You're dealing with life and death issues and your very spiritual health, your eternity is at stake. So it's important to approach God with confidence. Now, one of my favorite scriptures is Hebrews 4, verse 16. But before you get there, it says in verses, let's go back to verse 14, guys, if we could, if you got it there. Hebrews 4, 14. Hallelujah, I just threw that on them. Yeah, okay. So anyway, Hebrews 4, 14, 15 says, For do we not have a, a, a God which can, for we have a God which can fill our infirmities. He can fill our sorrows. He can fill our sickness. He, we have a God that can fill our infirmities. Can we get it up, please? Give it to me, Mark, in your Bible or something. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. You got it on your phone? You got it there, man? Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. Oh, gosh. She's got one of these little tiny print ones here. Oh, Jesus. So what you get when you marry a younger woman. Okay, verse 14. Seeing then, look now, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast what to our confession, for we do not have a high priest which cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. You don't have a high priest that will not sympathize with your weaknesses, but has in all points been tempted as we have, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the what? Throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. So he has been tempted in all points. He has been. He's, pay, he's been tempted with sickness, with lies, with adultery, with all those. When? He, it's not like he sat around in Jerusalem and lusted after women. No. He was on the cross and Satan threw every emotion and every sin at him. That's why he was so disfigured and bruised. It was more than the beatings. It was the emotional and the spiritual attack as well that disfigured him. Not only the physical but it was more than just the physical. And so it's important for you and I to know that we can approach him. What do you say in verse 16? Therefore, let us what draw near with confidence. What is confidence? Confidence is faith. Confidence is knowing and trusting God. Let us draw near the, uh, with faith, what? To the throne of grace. The very grace of God. You see, Romans 5 tells us that the law was given to us through Moses, but grace came, and by grace we are saved through faith, and that grace is who? Jesus. So, so we see that grace is a person. It's a son of God, but it's also we experience the attributes of that person. We experience the salvation and the power and the deliverance and the healing and the prosperity and the favor and the blessings. All those things that's in the nature of Christ, we have when we may receive salvation by grace through faith. Okay, look at us now. And that we what may receive mercy and find grace in the time and help in the time 
of need. So when you get away honestly with God, that's your time to bear your soul. That's your time to lay it out there. And, and when you begin to lay it out there, what happens is it opens you up to where you can really begin to process these things that you've been holding in or you've been lying about, you've been covering over, you can begin to let them out. So when I'm alone with God, sometimes I'll cry out something like this, Father, I know that you are good and that you don't lie and that you'll never abandon your children, but it feels to me like you have. It looks like you didn't keep your promise to me, but I know that's a lie because you are a good, good father and you are not the father of lies, Satan is, and you will always keep your promises and not slack in your promises and your word is true. Even though I don't feel like it, even though my mind doesn't think it sometimes and even though my body doesn't receive it, I know that I know that you are a good, good father. I know that I know. That's why I say John 10, 10 to you all the time. Jesus said, Satan does what comes, but what to steal, kill, and destroy. But the line, I, Jesus, came to do what? Give you life and give it to you abundantly. So we see devil bad, God good. And even though we can't explain it, even though there's events like what happened in Florida at the school, and you just can't understand it sometimes, and you can't grasp it while horrible things happen to good people, we still got to come to the place that we don't receive and let our heart get so sick with disappointment that we accept that the Father is not good. I, I had him sing that song for three or four years here. All the time, over and over, he's a good, good father. Why? Because every time I heard it, it, it brought healing to my soul. Healing to, I did it, I didn't do it for you. I was, I was selfish, I was doing it for me. But I knew if I could get what I needed, it'd help you, right? Just like it helps when you get what you need, it helps me. So as we bear, bear our soul, what happens, uh, it, it, it begins to bring us to a place of trusting him. And we can't ever get to a place in our life where we're questioning God's nature. You see, if you want to know what God loves and what God hates, just read the words written in red in the Gospels. And whatever Jesus loved and hated, that's what God loves and hated because that was God in the flesh, Son of God. Okay. So whenever we do have these accusations and we feel them, it's important, really, as soon as you do that, forget about bearing your soul. If you're starting to accuse God, just repent. Because if you get to a place where you're accusing God, you've already been in sin, you might as well just repent. Because you're not going anywhere till you repent. And just say, okay, Lord, forgive me. I, I, I did talk against you. I, I did believe the wrong thing. I did lie, but help me believe. Help. Remember I talked to you? The lowest form of faith helped my unbelief, but he still got his miracle for his son. So he's not going to turn you away because what we all have a measure of faith, Romans 12 says. So wherever your faith is, he's going to meet you. And for you just getting along with God and taking time to bring healing to your soul, healing to your mind, that's what brings the freedom and the deliverance. Let's look at number two. Number two, listen to God. Listen to God. I mean, man, whenever, whenever you know, you're going through stuff, you need to listen to God. And one of the greatest ways to listen to God is to teaching and the word and scripture, podcasts and worship and so on. But I find great comfort in the Psalms because man, when you get into the Psalms, it, it, it's just like, you know, when you're in the Psalms, it's just like that, that you, uh, you can find somewhere in there that fits you. 
You can find somewhere in there that meets you, whether you're up or in between or down, wherever you're at, you can find it. I mean, just like in, maybe you're going through a tough time, but just, just like look at Psalm 123. I know a lot of people read it at funerals, but they don't read it with faith. They try to make an excuse of why they think God plucked another lily, which I got a whole teaching I'm going to hit one Sunday with you here in the next week or so on that. But it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Want. He makes me to lie down in what? Bad, stinky, horrible pastures? No, green pastures. He leads me beside what? The still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He's not going to lead you down a dark alley. He's not going to lead you into some mess and have divorce. No, he's leading. If you're following his leading, it's going to be leading you somewhere good. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of what? Righteousness for his namesake. It's not just about you. It's about him too. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, What's really in a shadow? Darkness, but really nothing. A shadow just means that there's an empty space. No reflection is there. And, and, and it can look like you're dead, but if you'll trust God, you can receive life into whatever situation you're believing for. It says, um, it says I will fear no evil. So see, there's times we're in fear. We got to speak that over our life, don't we? I will fear no evil, but you got to speak that over your life. You got to take authority, even though you don't feel like it, even though you don't want to, even though you don't, quote, have time to, even though you just don't have the energy to, even though you feel too guilty to come into the throne room. He said, come in, even no matter where you're at in your infirmity, in your mind, in your heart, come into his throne room with what? Boldness. You come into the throne room of grace with boldness. You're not coming on your authority. You're coming on the authority of the Son of God. You're not coming on your, under your power. You're coming under the power of Christ. Greater is he what, who is in me than he who is in this world. So when I come into the throne room of grace, I have a rightly to come in with boldness. He said, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. Oh, you preach that. They comfort me. You look, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Even in the presence of my enemies, you're in control. Even in the presence, because no weapon formed against me can prosper. That's what the word says, right? You what? Anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. When you get that mind anointed, your heart and your joy will run over. Your love and your joy and your peace will overflow when you get this thing anointed. That's what I'm trying to teach you. If you're gonna get your heart healed, you gotta get this mind under the anointing and the presence of God. It says, you anoint my head with what? Oil, which represents the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and my cup, what, runs over. Surely, everybody say surely. Surely what? Goodness and mercy. Everybody say that. Goodness and mercy. What? Surely. Not should be, could be. What? Surely what? Goodness and mercy. Well, you know, I don't know if I have money to get through the week. What? Surely goodness and mercy. Well, I don't know, you know, if my car is going to make it. What? Surely, goodness and mercy. I don't know, you know, if my body's going to get me through next week to work. No, surely, goodness and mercy 
what? Shall follow me all the days of my life. Follow me all. So if they're following me, that means they've already overshadowed me and came beyond me. That means that they're behind me. You see, wherever I walk, it may feel like I'm fighting the wind, but what's already happened around me and behind me, goodness and mercy. When you're going through tough stuff, you're leaving seeds and crumbs for someone else to say, if they made it, I can make it. If they can get through, I can get through. If they can stand the heat, I can stand the heat. If they can get healed, I can get healed. If they can get a breakthrough, I can get a breakthrough. What? Surely, goodness and mercy shall what? Follow you all the days of your life. And he said, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, man, when you begin to listen to God and you go into the Psalms and you begin to encourage yourself like David and stir, even in the, I got to go to a tough meeting. doesn't matter if they're my enemies. My Lord has anointed me even in the presence of my enemies. Now, I don't choose them to be enemies, but sometimes people choose to be my enemy. And I just pray for them and forgive them. Because you know what I figured out a long time ago? The quicker I forgive him, the quicker I'm healed. So I just, but Lord, even help me right now. I don't even want to forgive him, Lord. But forgive me for not wanting to forgive him. I choose to forgive him. Yes. If you want goodness and mercy to follow you, you even have an opportunity when people betray you, stab you, cut you, lie on you, steal from you, cheat on you, and you love them anyway. That doesn't mean you say, here's my wallet and here's my life, but you love them anyway. What does it do? You're leaving crumbs for somebody else to see. Wow, they had some grace walking through that. There's, There's something good on them because everywhere they walk, even when it's through the fire, there's some goodness and some mercy left behind them. Man, following you all, what, all the days. That, that, even on the bad days. Even on the sick days. Even on the bound days. Following you. Following you. Following you. So, so, so that's why through is important. It's not just important for you. It's important for those that's watching you. Because the only God they may see is the God in you. Goodness, mercy, follow you. So when you're going through the trial, just just be thankful. Man, I'm going through the fire, going through the flood. He didn't say you're going to die in the fire. Dying in the flood said you're going through the fire. You're going through the flood. But what you got to do, you got to give God time. You got to give him some of your day. Give him some of your evening. You got to what? Listen to him. Not talk at him. But what? Listen to him. Hmm. Let me wrap this thought and then we'll be done. So you read what? The Psalms until what? You begin to hear his voice, man. Woo, that's him. What I'm going through right now and I got goodness and mercy follow me. I know that's not my flesh. I know that's not my mind. That has to be the mind of Christ because I know what my mind wants to do right now. But I chose to forgive. I chose to love. I chose to sow. I chose to give. See, it's a choice. And when we make the right choice, then God's anointing's on it. His favor is on it. As we meditate. So, so what, what we need to do is just prayerfully meditate, review what God says over and over and over. 
Maybe sing them to yourself. Speak over them. Write them down on a three by five card or put them in the notes in your phone, something. But keep it to where you get a verse or two that you can stand on or an entire psalm or whatever, Proverbs. Get something you can stand on that you can speak out loud over your mind, over your heart, over what you're dealing with. see, we can't afford to think differently about our situation than God thinks about it. See, that's when we get in dangerous ground, when we begin to think something differently than what God thinks. When we begin to speak something that's different than his will, something that's different than his plan. So when you don't take care of the issues of your heart, what are you doing? You're painting a bullseye on your back. When you don't take care of the issues of your heart, well, it's all right. They can just get over it. They'd be a cold day in hell for hell freeze over before I forgive them. Well, it might your heart might freeze over, but hell be just fine waiting on you that lake of fire because it's <laughs> the word of God says it's waiting on Satan. He's going to burn in that lake of fire right at the end of your book, the end of the Bible. So hell's not going anywhere. It's just waiting on its people, whoever's coming. And it wasn't even created for you. It was created for fallen angels. It wasn't even created for us. So, you know, you can wait for it to freeze over if you want to, but the only thing that's going to get cold is your heart. And when your heart gets cold, it's dangerous, and you're a, you have a bullseye. You're just giving the enemy a target. You're just giving him a target. Proverbs 4.23 urges and says, watch over your heart. See, I'm not responsible for your heart. Your parents aren't. Your spouse isn't. Your friends aren't. Your pastor, no. You are responsible over what you see, what you listen to, what you put in you, what you allow to go through your mind, what you process. And then what it says is this, watch over your heart with what all diligence for from it, what flow the springs of life. So it's up to you and I to take care of our heart what we're taking in, what we're listening to, what we're watching. And, and that will determine what kind of faith you're walking in. That, that would determine walking in healing. Remember, I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about healing, and we talked about the revivalists in the 50s, and there was a couple of them said, and they later on it was Oral Roberts and Dr. Hagen and Dr. Roberts said it, and one of them said it to the other, and they said, well, you know, we're right in the middle of this great revival. And one of them said, yeah, and the other one says, you know, what's sad a lot of our friends, they're just not going to make it. And the other one said, well, why? why? Not, they're not going to make it for the long haul. He said, well, why? He said, uh, because they've learned, they've learned how to release an expression of the gift of faith to others, but they haven't learned how to grasp the word of healing through faith for themselves. So see, like me, I got to grab my son's hand and pray over it. And even for Jesus, that's tough, right? He didn't have many miracles, it says, in his hometown, Nazareth. That's what the word says. What? It wasn't because of Jesus' unbelief. It's because of theirs. It's because of familiarity. So there's going to be times you're going to be in familiar situations, and you still got to do what the word says. You don't go by what you feel like or don't feel like. It's not your kingdom. It's up to us to obey what the word says, to speak the word over it. Now, not just speaking something, but speaking it and believing it. And if you don't believe it, keep speaking it till you do believe it. 
at least speak something that's not negative. Well, I just don't know why I'm depressed. I can tell you why you're depressed because of everything you're watching, everything you're listening to, and everything that runs through your mind and everything that comes out of your crazy mouth. Why, why wouldn't you be depressed? You're lucky you haven't been struck by lightning. Run over by a garbage truck. I don't know. Some people are just blessed that they do go to heaven early. They're just messing everything up anyway. Because you know what? It's not following them. They don't have goodness and mercy following them. See, if we don't have goodness and mercy following us, we better off just to go on anyway. Brother Shambach, I'll end with this, and I'll pray for you. Brother Shambach, you know, one of my grandfathers in the faith and a great revivalist lived in his 80s. Man, he'd always have these, you know, healings. I was there with blind eyes open, people getting out of wheelchairs, and every night, you know, thousands or more seemed like got saved because his one big tent would seat, I think, 10,000 at one time. And the last one that he brought here seated over 5,000. But, but one of the things that... He said he was over here on this side of the thing and he got down on there and he was praying and people come up and said, you got an addiction, come up. I mean, people were throwing drugs and cigarettes and this one old boy was over here and he said, all right, you want to be free of those cigarettes? You want to be free of those cigarettes? Brother Shambach said, yeah, Brother I want to be free of those cigarettes. You really want to be free. You don't want to ever smoke another set. You want to be free. Yes, I've been smoking for over 40 years. I can't quit. I've tried everything. Well, tonight, you're going to be healed. Okay, Brother Shambach. He said, say this after me. Yes, Brother Shambach. Say, Lord. Lord. If I take one more draw off a cigarette, if I take one more draw off the cigarette, kill me right then, Lord. Oh, I, I can't pray that. He said, well, then you don't want to be free. <laughs> See, when you're a child of God, you need to realize you're already dead. We're dead. We're dead in Christ. Right? He's like, I'll fix that for you right now. Lord, next time I take a draw, just kill me. I mean, do you really want to be free? Do you really want to be healed? Or do you just like, you know, memorizing all your medications? My grandma, man, she was a woman of faith and everything, but later on in her years, in her 80s, she had something wrong with her eyes in her mid-70s. She used to play the piano up in her mid-70s. Had something going on with her eye and didn't want to have this little minor surgery. And this doctor got her on pain stuff, heavy, heavy. Man, she got where she kind of got blind, but boy, she, did, she knew her pills. She didn't have to worry about a bottle. She could tell by the shape and the size in her fingers what gram and what weight they were. She knew, buddy. Ruby! Somebody took two of my red pills. She couldn't even see they were red. She just knew the shapes of them, the texture of them. See, see you can get to where you know so much about the devil. Come on. You, you can get to where you know so, you, you have reinforced unbelief so well, it would take God to break the unbelief in your life because you've reinforced, not for me, it happened for them, not for me. They get healed, but I don't get healed. They get a financial breakthrough, but I don't get a financial breakthrough. Their kids are saved, but my kids are not. And why not? Right? Out of, with your tongue, you can do what? Speak life or death. So you can start today. 
By doing what? Changing your mind. We think that means this, well, I just changed my mind. And yeah, it does. It means change your mind. It's an exchange. You choose to stop thinking what you used to think. And it takes a while to train it. Well, if I want to stop thinking what I used to think, then I've got to stop listening to and watching and hanging out with what I used to listen to, watch, and hang out with. And repent over what I have. Well, I just deal with lust. Then stop looking at people. Don't stop looking at everybody. Well, I'm just looking at them to see, you know, I'm just familiar. Yeah, you're familiar spirits, what you are. I can tell if I start having lust come on me, I know what it is. Before long, I'm looking, and before long, I'm looking, and before long, I'm looking, and then I'm like, uh-oh, I got to get off and get along with God and repent and get this out of my head. Not that I'm over here in porn or anything. I, I can just tell real sensitive when I'm looking when not the way I shouldn't look. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, everybody catches my eye. Oh. You're the one, your beauty's in the eye of the beholder. You're the one that beholds in your eyes, and whatever comes in your eyes is in your heart. Well, that's not in my heart. You're just playing, you're just playing Russian roulette, man. You're just playing with it. it it'll get you. It'll get you. How do I get rid of it? Repent. Give it to God. Just give it to God and be free and get rid of that weight. And then if it happens in 15 minutes, repent again. If it happens in an hour, repent again. If it happens in a week, repent again. And then find resources and helps to start renewing your mind. Start renewing your mind. Every thought is a seed. Every word is a seed. Every action is a seed. There is not one thing that you can be defeated by if you will make a decision. You know why Steph and I are married? We love each other and enjoy. We're best friends. But we're like everybody else. We have tough times. We have stuff happens in life and you can't explain it and you get busy. And you get, but, but see, we made a covenant. We made a decision before we were even engaged. I'd already had my heart. I never want to be divorced. I, I mean, I'm not putting anyone down that has been because stuff happens. I'm just saying. I, I just never wanted that. And, and, and I've always, and she didn't either. And then when we come together, we reinforce that. And, and you know, death is an option, but divorce isn't. I tell some of these preacher buddies of mine, and I say, man, I'm glad God forgave you, but Pastor Steph knows I go to sleep. She's a quiet, sweet lady, but I may not wake up. That's what my mama told my daddy. You got to sleep sometime, buddy. Some of you women need to realize that man sleeps sometime, I'm just saying. getting ready to pray, but I just, I just want you, I really want this to help you today. I really want you to get in your heart. I really want you to get in your mind. I want to see, I'm not doing this to beat you down because God's grace is sufficient. His love is unconditional. There's no limits. There's nothing, nothing, nothing he won't forgive you of and help you walk through. And like he told the guys, he said, how many times do I forgive someone that sins against me? Seven times. Okay. What about seven times? Seven times, 70 times. That gets up into the millions. If you multiply. It, in other words, it's limitless. God is limitless in his forgiving. But here's the thing. What's following you? Death and destruction and heartbreak and sorrow or is goodness, mercy, 
goodness. There, there's times, Billy, I just don't do stuff because I don't want to leave that on my kids. I don't want to leave that on my wife. I don't want to leave that on the church. And that doesn't mean I won't ever fail or make or do that. But I'm just saying my heart, so if I can't even do it for me, I start looking at others. I, I can't do that because of them. I, what? Because I want goodness and mercy. I want to end well. I want goodness and mercy. I want goodness and mercy. And, and see, we can't do that without God's grace. We're humans. And I can't be in a place now and think five years I'll be fine. I got to daily, sometimes hourly, make sure I'm on track. It's a choice, man. Well, I just fell into adultery. No, you planned it out, rolled in it, dialed it up, hung out and paid for it. Come on, man. Give me that stuff. You don't fall into sin. See, we need to get the power of God back in the church. And if we're going to have the power of God in the church, then we got to get purity back in the church. Purity is what brings the power. 